welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome. Today on the show, I have something a little bit different other than financial topics. Specifically, I have, as you know, brought on speakers to talk about general business and entrepreneurship topics. And today is one of those. I'm uh, pleased to bring you my friend, Dennis Mosley-Williams. Dennis is a well-known speaker in the financial advisor circuit who talks specifically about how advisors should transform their business to be based on experiences that deliver true value and enlightenment and transformation to clients. And this is a message that not only matters to financial advisors, but, manage, but matters to most businesses. You really want to delight and give people a reason to connect with you and basically continue to utilize your service or product or whatever else it is. And with that, here's my interview with Dennis. Dennis. Always a pleasure, my friend. Jason, lovely to see you and happy new year. Happy new year to you too. So Dennis Mosey-Williams, tell us a little bit about what it is you do. Sure. That, isn't that funny? Everybody listening? That's the one thing everybody's supposed to have down. I've been working for myself for close to 30 years and that's, that one still makes my eyes go wide. Uh, my partner, Tom, and I own a small boutique firm and we work predominantly in the financial services industry, helping practices, financial planning practices, create more client value by innovating around customer experience and design and layout. So that's what I do. But as you said in the intro, what I know is applicable to literally every business on the planet, any size in any sector. All right. So now that's a big mandate because I mean, when you start thinking about how you can transform business to basically engage, enlighten, delight people, that's that's a limitless opportunity there. I mean, you and I have, you remember with first, our first conversations, you talked about how to transform this local sub shop into mm-hmm. something that was going to be truly engaging. And that was that was amusing. So let's let's talk about that. So let's just say you're the average business owner, right? You got into business to sell a widget or to deliver a service. You know, yeah. what is it you're missing when you're not contemplating this kind of thinking? Okay, well, let's get the general. Okay, well, I'm going to answer that short and long. I'll try and stick really short, everybody. My wife's joke about being married to a speaker is I always think I have 60 minutes to make a point. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for asking, Jason. Let me just get a glass of water for when I get thirsty from talking so much. Here's my PowerPoint presentation while I'm at it. (laughs) Here's what people are missing. Any business in the world is is most likely confusing service with experience. Service is all about saving customers time and effort, okay? Whereas experience is about creating engagement through surprise, emotion, and at times even transformation. Oh, I just, I couldn't believe how amazing it was. Just think everybody, when you think experience, think about those times when you're visiting a business or you're walking down the street or what have you, and you feel compelled to take your telephone out, to take a picture of something. Because you're, you go, look at that. Isn't that interesting? So the back, that's the short answer. They're confusing service and experience. Meaning the guy that owns the hardware store, I'm trying to pick a totally generic business, believes that the smartest and best thing that they can do is make it easy to get in and get out with a hammer. Okay. And to a certain extent, 20%. You're right. Nobody wants to feel frustrated walking around a store looking for something. Okay. Mm -hmm. But experience, 
is about connecting and changing with the client when they get into that hardware store. So not only do they find somebody easily who can help them, there is something else that's going on that probably has nothing to do with the service that nevertheless delights and engages the client. Okay. So delights and engages. All right. Fair enough. And that, that makes sense. Can you give me some examples of some really delightful engagements that you've seen on things that you would have, people wouldn't normally expect? Like I go in, maybe it was to buy a hammer as an example, but whatever it is, like you went into, the average person would not expect to be engaged and delighted, but you found something outstanding and how someone transformed that one little thing into something outstanding. Sure. Well, that's a, that's obviously a really good question. And I see those things all the time. One of my little professional jokes is I never attend the same event as anybody else. So I should let everybody listening know I'm a certified experience economy expert. As you said, generously in your introduction. I'm very well known in my industry as a customer experience person, and I'm a member of the World Experience Organization. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that makes me a miserable date. Because <laughs> if I take my wife, Sherry, out, if she says, this is great, okay, I have to fight every urge I imaginable to not say, do you want to know why? And deconstruct it for her, mm -hmm. okay? So I'll just tell you this. Mine, I'm going to say, is my dry cleaner right here in town. This is a fantasy I have is to write a little book about all these amazing businesses that are humble but stage incredible experiences that are all in my, not just my city, my neighborhood. Because there are people that do experience right all over. So my, here in Ottawa, my dry cleaner is famous. His name is Joe Peloso. Somebody else already wrote a book about him, if you can believe it. What's your dry I cleaner? literally walked into his shop, which is the most humble shop you've ever seen on a terrible corner, a terrible corner. Take your life in your hands parking there, let alone getting out of your car to give Joe your business. It's a little tiny shop with a sign that's probably, it looks like he got his kids to do it. And there's probably even as I'm recording this with you today, a letter missing, okay? When you walk in, he, there he's standing. He's incredible. I was recommended to him years ago. I was in a, there's a lovely story here. I was in trouble. I went to my current dry cleaner. I picked up my stuff. It wasn't going to do. I called my buddy. I said, have you got a dry cleaner? He goes, I do. And you're going to love this guy. I called that guy, Joe. And I go to his shop with this thing. And everybody listening, the lesson I learned that day is you always want to deal with a dry cleaner that has the machine on premise, not a drop off. Mm. Those guys can't help you. They don't have any way to do it. So he instantly says, yeah, sure. No problem. I'll give it right back to you. He looks after me. I swear to God, I wake up the next, I swear to you that this is not an exaggerated story for the good mm. of the podcast. So the next morning, I'm a notorious early riser. I'm lying in my bed and I get out of bed and I go buy two coffees at six o'clock in the morning and I go to the dry cleaner. There's something about the guy. I'm like, this guy is amazing. I watch, I did it a few mornings in a row, dude. My wife made a joke that you got a crush on your dry cleaner. I say to her, this is before he becomes my friend. I go to this guy, there's something about him. I watched this guy make a thousand bucks every morning before nine o'clock. Like it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. He has instant immediate memory recall. He knows yeah. every person who goes in, he knows your name. He talks you up. Experience is about creating emotion. So say I'm standing there and you walked in. He'd go like this. Hey, how you doing? Jason, right? And you go, yeah, yeah. And he'd start to tell you your phone number. Da, da, da. And you'd go, yeah, yeah, that's right, 347. 
yeah, yeah. Jason, Jason, he'd look at me. Oh, this guy, big financial planner, very important, very smart. Hey, you got a podcast. Yeah, this is my friend Dennis. By the time you and I both walk out, you would believe you were the mayor of my city or the prime minister of the country. Every person, he talks you up, he creates an emotion. And then this is the service part for everybody listening, because service is always part of it. Joe says to me, you met me in crisis, right? I go, yeah. He goes, everybody meets me in crisis. Nobody calls up and says, I need this next Tuesday. He goes, everybody that calls up goes, oh my God. He says to me, I'll run it through the machine on my own. I don't care. He says, this is what he does. Someone says, do you think I could get this today? 11 o'clock in the morning. Joe goes, yeah, no problem. You want it like after five? The guy goes, oh, that'd be great. Joe goes, you wanted it too? (laughs) Yeah, he goes, okay, no problem. Then get this, Jay. You go in, you pick up your stuff. He doesn't charge you your first time. Hmm. He'll just say to you, no, 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 don't worry about it. You come, you pay me next time, okay? Pay me next time. He's incredible. That's probably literally when I think of my city, it's that. It's, it's funny. Yeah. You just described my experience with my tailor. Like the guy knows everyone by name, same kind of talkative person. He basically, he knows every suit he's ever sold me off the top of his head. And it's like, and he's like, okay, no, this shirt will go well with those pants you bought last. What? Like, where's your database for keeping track of all of this? Know who your client yeah. is. Slow time down. Yep. You could run into a men's clothing store and say, I'm in a rush. I got to buy this suit. Can you alter it too? Can I? Yeah. If you throw enough money at them, they're going to say yes. Yeah. Everybody listening, slow time down. Don't think efficiency, think memorable. And what we know in any business, I'll tell you one about my house painter in a second. What we know about in any business is if you can make your client feel seen, they'll pay you more and they'll like you more. There's a kind of loyalty. Go back to the hardware store I started with. I was in a a great big national, multinational franchise hardware store the other day. Mm -hmm. Big one has an orange sign. I don't want to talk about anybody. It's only one of a couple of colors, but continue. Yeah. Okay. So at one point I'm standing in this aisle and I lament to the guy I'm with something about, would you believe it would be so hard to find? I was trying to find yellow safety glasses for downhill skiing in the rain. I kid you not. It occurred to me when I was there. He lets me know. He goes, you know, I used to work here. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, oh, that's not like it used to be. I go, no. He goes, no, the owner used to come in all the time. And if he ever saw you, a staff person pointing as though saying, yeah, that thing you're looking for is over there versus walking you to it. He said, made the like cut your slit your throat sign, like you're out. Okay. Now I had said to him, yeah, there should be a, a cool little hub where they all stand and there's cameras in all the aisles. So we always know you go to that hub, you'll find them there. And if they're standing there and there's monitoring, they go, there's a guy clearly confused in aisle 14, go rescue him from himself. So the, how you make a person feel seen, that hardware store example, person walks in and they're greeted and you grab a basket for them and say, let me walk you there. That's experience. Loyalty. There's two kinds. There's loyalty of fear and obligation. I go to this dry cleaner because they're close, because they know me, because I know them. I don't want to break in a new dry cleaner. This is my dry cleaner. Then there's the, there's the loyalty of connection and identity. I drive out of my way to go to this business because of what this person did. I hired a house painter. I used to own another home that I rented out. This guy got me more tenants. It was unbelievable. So I would say to him, look, I'll be, you're painting it because then I'll be showing it to other people. Yeah, no problem. Every time I would show up with people, I'd say, I'm having it painted right now. Da, da, da. But when I got up to the work site, there wasn't coffee cups, paper cups, and lunch bags, and nope. Nope, nope, nope. All of his stuff was tidy, cleaned up. Nobody was living in the house. It's totally empty. But his tools were laid out like he was a surgeon, okay? 
And the weird message he was both sending to me and then helping me send to my tenant is, I care about this place. I care about you, Dennis. And, but also, by extension, I care about my tenants, right? When the whole thing's done and he's finished any painting job, when you go home, there's $200 of fresh cut flowers on your dining room table and a thank you card from him. So you don't just walk into a beautiful house all painted. Oh, thank God it's done because it smells and you want the guy the hell out of your way. It doesn't matter. You know, just hurry and get it done. We, we want this over. His signature moment, as we call it in experience design, is, yeah, he leaves you a great big gift. It can be any kind of business benefits from staging better experiences. You know, it's interesting. When I think about experience, the first thing I always typically go to is something like the aspects of you know, going to Disney, right? And you go to, especially when we talked about this, my trip to Galaxy's Edge last year, where uh, the, the Star Wars area, where it's just so immersive that you're just like, I'm on another planet. And like, everything is in theme and everybody's acting the way they would in this place, right? Like it was, it's that kind of thing. But what you're bringing it down to is such more, so much more of a fundamental piece. And I think other people would hear what you described and you're like, and would think, okay, that's great, but that guy is just that one, that 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 painter, that guy's a craftsman. Like that guy, yeah. you know, we've all met those kinds of craftsmen who like literally are OCD and they lay them out and they 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 cannot have a corner be be at an angle. But and then then you also have the people who are just sharp memories and and just naturally naturally lo- loquacious, right? They just want to talk to people. You know, I yeah. think if anything, that's an un. I mean, I think your your craftsman guy with the flowers is a nice touch. But I think in a lot of ways, these are all unintentional experiences, aren't they? Right? I don't think these guys sat around and crafted them. They're just being who they were. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that we can't reflect on how we can learn from that and make ourselves that way. It, precisely. That's the whole point. Doesn't, I don't care who's listening and what their business mm-hmm. is. When you are a guest of it, you're a business owner. So let's lay this out. Every one of us that owns a business is living in the age of Amazon. And anything anybody wants, including a hammer from the hardware store, can be delivered to their house by eight o'clock tomorrow morning. We, as consumers, are already spoiled rotten. We live in magic times, right? And those businesses who want to deliver their products via Amazon to your door before tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. are willing to do it for next to nothing. Commoditization is everywhere. Okay, when I encounter businesses that are doing experience right, such as last week, and I even filmed it. I was out in my neighborhood having lunch with Susan, who works with me. And we had another guest with us. And when they were just having a quick moment, I looked around this restaurant and I realized they were hitting every single check mark. Once again, brother, about five minutes from my house, I kid you not, I'd never been in my life. I ended up returning to the restaurant the next day to say, would you mind if I filmed in here? And if you don't like it, you can watch me make it. I'll delete it right in front of you. But I'm telling you to your point, Jay, if I may call you Jake, yeah. um, they were hitting every checkbox possible. Now, to your point, when I encounter a business where they're doing it right, it's they're just expressing their authentic self. It just occurs to them that, of course, I'd give you flowers because it would make your day. And I want to do that. It's who I am. I cannot be it. However, to your point, there are frameworks. Mm-hmm. There are frameworks that you can use for experience design. And I think for everybody listening, I'm going to give them three questions that they can all ask themselves now that will begin to shift them along the way. Because ideally, everybody, having established what I just said, or got that out, I don't care what you do for a living or what business you own. If you go to Disneyland, I'm using it because you just did. So I'm going to Mm -hmm. the grand daddy and mummy of all experience staging, Disney. And by the way, that Star Wars galaxy thing, the people that did that are in the WXO with me. And whenever I'm in meetings with them, I'm always a little excited because I'm a 70s kid. I'm like, oh my God, Star Wars. <laughs> okay. 
if you go to Disney and you own a hardware store or a whatever the hell it is, an engineering consulting firm, structural engineering, great. If you go to Disney and go, this is amazing, you should be able to extract the principles of what they have done and apply it to what you have done. 100%. Well, they're an amusement park and I'm a hardware store. No, you sell hardware stuff. They sell tickets to rides. You're both in the people business and they have their clients blown away. That's the business they're in. You can be in that business too. And you use the same framework. So here's the three questions you ask, okay? And this is so tip of the iceberg. But if you just do this, you're going to feel this. You will see that you're shifting. Here's the first one. Oh, pardon me. First, consider your client journey from before they ever come to your business to entering your business, to engaging with your business, to the end of, let's call it the engagement, the transaction, the whatever, the hardware store cash register, to finally extending afterwards when they're reflecting on their visit. So that's the first part is think in time. Experience is time well-designed, okay? Consider the entire client journey, ask these three questions. Question one, and I use Post-it notes when I do this with my own clients, okay? Different color Post-it notes to represent these five different places in time on the client journey so that as we have ideas, everybody, you just keep putting Post-it notes on the wall in that sort of silo. This is getting to be like being John Malkovich. You're all living in my brain. Okay, so here it goes. Question one, if my head were made entirely of veal, how much would it cost in a grocery store? No, that's not the question. The first question- I started doing the math, man, honestly. <laughs> it would be an expensive but delicious dinner. Okay, so here it goes. I'm have about one. 10 pounds, start working on okay. On all of these five phases of ex- through time of your client journey, what do you do really, really well? or well enough, and how could you do it a teeny tiny bit better? So for instance, oh, we call and confirm appointments. We send a confirmation email. How about a confirmation phone? Or something I've recently started doing is instead of sending a follow-up email, I send a raven. No, I send a uh, follow-up video message. Hey, Jason, great to talk with you. Mm -hmm. I use this service called Vidyard. Okay, so you find something you do well, make it a little better. The next question, Where does the client have to make a sacrifice? If they were candid and honest, what part of the whole client journey would they say to you? This sucks. Here's what I hate. Okay. Eliminate it. Number three, where is there an opportunity for a surprise? Okay. So I met a guy one time at a Christmas party. We got in every talking about what they're doing. You know, I always try to avoid that, by the way. But anyway, because I (laughs) just do. So anyhow, it gets into it. I start talking about it. He says, oh yeah, chuckle, chuckle. How would you help me? I'm a proctologist, okay? So all all I'm going to tell you is this. Well, everything starts with empathy Mm. and nobody that ever goes to see him wants to. So it became a really cool conversation for him because it started as, ha, ha, ha. I'm making you think about a bum, (laughs) okay? To me, like, ha, ha, ha. I'm getting you to think about emotion memory transformation Hmm. so it started and i'm going to end this story with a little tiny joke it started with the just using those three questions empathy so on the client journey before they come to see you what are they thinking about they're thinking about how much they don't want to go what would be the most perfect thing you could say to somebody before that appointment to make everything better not great hey you just turned now i'm looking forward nobody ever is looking forward to it but we all know everybody at the end says you know what 
it's much ado about nothing. I was all worked up and it was actually kind of like a non-event. Okay, so knowing that's how it ends, what would be the most perfect thing to say? So we kind of came up with, oh, this is brother, this is over beers at a Christmas party. Mm. And then I said this, and how the medium is the message to get all the Canadians involved in this today. How would you, what's the best way to say it? And was it email? Was it telephone call? What's the sacrifice? Mm. What's the this? Okay, you ready? Two things. How do proctologists, which are specialists, get paid? They get referrals. When the patient refers to their GP, returns to their GP, their family doctor, mm-hmm. they have a story to tell, which is honest to God, the phone call ahead of time, the this, the that, and here's the part that'll make you laugh. I suggested that he change all the art in his office to train tunnels and mine shafts. I kid you not. So you're basically getting the person to laugh and get disarmed. Before Just chill out, everybody. That's it. If I, the whole point that I, the transformation that I suggested we need is nobody has to think this is great, but you shouldn't, you should also celebrate yourself that you're being a really responsible person caring for your body that's aging. Like, good for you, man. This is an act of love mm-hmm. for yourself and your family and the people that care about you. This is like, this isn't maintenance. This is so much more. This is a statement. Like it was, honest to God, I can still see it. We were standing in the kitchen. The place was packed, huge party. And I know, you know, we get into it. And to his, his doctor, doctors care about people. So as soon as he realized, oh no, you're about caring for people, that whole party melted away. Now there's a whole scene going around us and the two of us are locked on each other. And he's thinking on it. Like, you're right. It's like, of course, bro. And what was he thinking? He was thinking service. I know you hate this place. I'm going to get you in and out as quickly as I possibly can. To which I'm saying, treat them like guests. Slow down time. Make them feel seen. Hey, it, it doesn't matter what business you're in. It doesn't matter what business you're in. And the idea of service being subsumed up into experience, I just don't want to use more restaurant examples. Five minutes from here, there's a shawarma place. A little takeout Lebanese place. They're in every town. Thank goodness. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful lunch option. <laughs> it's good for you. I'm standing at the counter, Jason. He's a lovely man. I've known him by, hey, you know, for three, four years now. I look at the giant empty store. It's a takeout place, but it's got enough room for like 10 tables. Nobody will ever sit there. I said to him, I got an idea for you. You should buy a bunch of mannequins. Fill this place up with mannequins. Put them in monster costumes. Get a bunch of flat screen TVs that cost 200 bucks. He's already got one. He's playing sports on it. Just play black and white monster movies. Every month, there's a new holiday with a new theme, right? Put leprechauns in there now. It's St. Patrick's Day. Da, da, da. And then I said to him, go online and buy cheap movie memorabilia. You can buy $25,000 things from a Harry Potter movie, but you can also buy $25 things from used, you know, seen on screen in a Harry Potter movie. Hang them on the wall. Change the name of the place to Monster Shawarma. Okay, now once again, everybody listening, it's like, and... And jack up your prices a little wee bit because people pay for experience. Yeah. And now you're not a place you just go get a shawarm and get in and get out because there's 10,000 of them within three blocks. This awesome place on the corner that basically has like these weird combinations of monster shawarmas and gives you an experience when you're there. Time well spent, all harmonized with different names and this and that. No, we get in the car, we drive the extra so many minutes. Okay. And then with that, then there's the inside stuff of his business, right? Which is you probably have two businesses. You get your counter. And then you got catering. Your catering is probably worth a lot more. So there's also probably a little bit of redistribution of resources in there. 
You need to liberate yourself from the front desk. You got to get more business in here to help justify a $15 an hour guy to stand at the counter plus, and you'll sell way more shawarmas for more money. And then you can go focus on running your catering business, which is probably several hundred dollars in lunch gigs every day that happen in the nation's capital. So the, um, the slow it down, I'll go back to the slow it down piece. Because you've said this before, and I think it's something in the effect of uh, efficiency is the enemy of experience or something like that. Yeah, amen. Yeah. And it's funny because like what you're talking about is, I mean, as a business owner, we always just do some basic math. And that's that I can, you know, it takes X amount of time to do this and make the money. So therefore I need to make this, if this formula of time and investment more efficient to profit, right? You know, we're thinking from an accounting or an engineering standpoint, but that is, as you said, the enemy of experience, because if that's all I'm concerned about, I'm going to end up with a crabby commodified experience, right? Like, like yeah, go to the hardware service. store where they point at it, right? There's no service, yep. right? Like, so it's it's one of these things where you're you have to flip it backwards and basically turn it around and say, hey, you know what? The you can make up that margin elsewhere through just having a incredible experience. That I mean, think about the the word of mouth or advertising that these examples you've given me are, are doing, right? These people have to spend nothing in conventional marketing because they are book solid because they have people just lining up to deal with them, right? They're, they have, they have exam, like that paint, I'm sure that painter basically works off referral only and is book solid at the book in weeks in advance, right? Like it's just because they have created that experience. So it's one of these things where we almost have to fight, the, you have to fight the conventional thinking on economics to, to do that. And the one example I often use with people is like, look, there's McDonald's, which you can be, which is low margin, high volume and super efficient, or there's a Michelin star restaurant where you sit down for three hours. Yeah. And you pay a fortune. And which one do you think reservations is- long in advance? Yeah. Six in advance advance and, and pay up front. And pay, pay the up price. Yeah. No, we have to go to Paris to eat there in February, but we wanted to go in June. We can't get a table it's in June. reservation. Yep. And I'm only interrupting you to point this out because people, this is where people sacrifice when they try to stage an experience. They convince themselves, no one's going to do it. It's like, what do you, we pay for experience with money and time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen, bro. And, and meanwhile, where do you think the, what do you think the more profitable per location of business is? The Michelin star restaurant by a long shot, right? Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Now, yeah. hard to get to that level, rare to get to that level, but it's being exceptional experiences is, is something that is rare. So do you want to be machine made or hand fit? Yeah. Right. There's a restaurant in New Hampshire I'm aware of. Oh, what the hell is it called? I'm going to Google it really quick. Oh, I think it's called the, I don't want to tell, say the wrong thing. Just let me look one second. I believe it's called the Forest Restaurant. It's in New Hampshire. Okay, it's in the middle of nowhere, near like Freedom, New Hampshire. And then you drive in the middle of nowhere from there. If you want a reservation, you have to send a postcard. They get 12000 a year. Well, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I don't care. Like if you're listening right now and you think, oh, I know, sucks to be me, man, because my business is doing asphalt on driveways and there's 10,000 people to do that in Toronto. Or I'm a dentist. I'm a subsume whatever your offering is up into an experience that delights and engages. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do not sit down with yourself right now and figure out what you're, what you're, how you're trying to solve your problems. Are you defaulting to service more hours, easier intake? To, no, no, no. Or are you creating memorable moments in time? It doesn't yeah. matter what your business is. I could literally create revenue in it without having to spend any money. Just by having you change the way you look at time. I gave the three questions. What do I do well? Do it better? Where do I make them sacrifice? Eliminate that? Where is there an opportunity for a surprise? This yep. idea, like, you you know, we're in Canada. 
Tim Hortons, very successful coffee chain. They are not in the same business as Starbucks. One's an experience, no. Starbucks. One of them is a service. One's edible, one's not. Anyway. He's <laughs> taking your life in your hands. So the uh, I, I openly criticize them all the time. Patriotism only goes so far. Uh, the uh, and I'll give you one example of someone who's, who's done that in my life. And it's my uh, my buddy is a realtor. He's a top 1% realtor in the country. And in the GTA, you can throw a stone and hit 12 realtors in any crowd, right? Like there's like 70,000 of them. So he basically does a lot of online marketing, but here's what, you know, he pays for the staging. He shoots drone footage of the outside of the house. He shoots all these social media videos to basically market the place. He does letter drops in the neighborhood. He guides the client through the entire experience of why he's doing all that. He basically, once the once the entire normal experience is done, even when he's done engaging with you, what, what happens? Shows up on move-in data to bring you food. Mm -hmm. He, I still, we still, all his clients get gifts on things like Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, you name it. We still get them dropped off. Uh, oh, yeah. He has he has like four or five events where basically for like Easter, bring the kids. We'll have the Easter bunny. Christmas, bring that. We'll have that. He sends out personalized emails on on uh, your birthday. He sends out a personalized email on the anniversary, of the date you bought your home, talking about how market values are changing your neighborhood and what your house is probably worth. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Get everybody's talking about now how like the it was interesting. I've seen a lot of realtors this past year with the market turning, just complaining about how much harder it's been for them. This guy still sold probably like 40 to 50 houses. <laughs> okay, get get this reminds me of my buddy Kevin, who's not an agent. This is for everybody who isn't an agent. Because you criticized Tim Hortons, I feel I can go here. Are you ready? You go for it. <laughs> I won't speak to real estate audiences. Why is that? I have three reasons. I won't talk to anybody I wouldn't myself pay. <laughs> and I won't I won't get paid to lie. And real estate agents get paid too much money. Hmm. You think so? Yeah. The architect that designed the whole damn thing gets less than they do. And their whole job is opening the front door. Yeah. Yeah. I have. Uh, so this is my story so, is about my friend, Kevin, who uses grapevine, but this is what he did. I went to sell a house. He sold us. He goes, Dennis, I sold all my own houses. This is what he told me. This is for everybody listening. He goes, well, what you do is you get a map of the city. Yeah. And you put that on your dining room table. So he stages the whole house, which is all a real estate agent does for you, but they do it for $50,000. What the hell? So he staged the whole thing. He puts a map out, okay? He had styrofoam or cardboard boxes underneath it so he could put pins in it. And I show them. He, so I live, I'm lucky enough to live in a nice little neighborhood here in Ottawa that has a lot of restaurants up on the strip, some of the better ones. And it's a nice little walkable villagey neighborhood. Everybody who lives in my city knows where my neighborhood is. And they know what it is and what happens there. Kevin says this, he goes, yeah, whatever. I show them. So when you're looking at his house and his house was just a house, was a townhouse like I was living in. Not too much imagination. You can't change a wall, can't move anything, nothing. You either like it or you don't. Emotion. You get people excited about living there by showing them with drop pins where everything was in relation to where they were standing. These are where these restaurants are. This is where this place is. This is where that place is. He goes, Dennis, I'll sell my house the first day I open the door. Like, that's how I do it. He goes, they all stand around my kitchen table looking at the map going, oh my God gazelling is just at the corner mm. excellent 
Well, I will uh, give you some examples off air about uh, how I think this guy's a little bit different, but we'll uh, oh, every once in a while. Don't get me wrong. There's yeah. one person who earns it. And the guy oh. you're describing is obviously very special. I'm 100%. just referring to the every other person who puts a sign up well, and then they get that for a check. It drives me crazy. Well, the Yeah. So we, and me and him talk about this all the time. Right. And this is, again, the lack of experience and, and, why, and why people are so cynical like you are right now about realtors in general. The average number of houses sold by a realtor in the greater Toronto area in a year doesn't even round up to one. Like that's how few most of them actually sell. Yeah. And the the old joke for them is that the bad guys are basically doing the, the three Ps. That's right. Put it up, put up a sign, put it on, put on an LMLS and pray and do nothing and try to maximize as much of that commission as possible. As opposed yeah. to this guy who will basically spend a, quite a lot out of pocket out of his side to basically, and take less on a margin, less of that commission in total in order to basically make sure that you get it's sold and your experience is happy and you get the best price you can. And he makes it up for it, makes up for it in volume and spades. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. The evolution, all business, if you don't move to staging experiences and, and beyond, which is a discussion for another time, you're going to get AI'd out. Artificial intelligence, race to the bottom. Like I'm telling you, how many, how many of everything do we need? How many people do we need when more and more of all professional services are going online? Mm -hmm. right so it's like there's only going to be one way to make it. you're going to follow me or you're and change the conversation by changing where value is looked for found measured or you're going to compete and race to the bottom which it's not me that said said it first that's the race you don't win there's always someone who's going to do it for less than you quicker there's always someone willing to lose their shirt to take your business so, and on that note, we're going to wrap it up here. Dennis, thank you so much. I hope this was, uh, <laughs> our conversations are always amusing. So I always look forward to them. I hope you'll come and visit up here again soon. I not the, I don't have any plans for Ottawa this year, but I hope to next year. So we'll see. Oh, come on. It's right up the road. You, you, you pass by Pearson on a regular basis. I'll meet you in the airport. There's a shawarma place there. Anyway, <laughs> as always. Uh, so thank you, Dennis. So as always, this has uh, been uh, Financial Plan for Canadian Business Owners. I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you found this conversation stimulating and thought-provoking and that you're taking the time to sit back and think about how you can slow down your experience and make it truly memorable no matter what business you're in. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you. 